Welcome to the study of the book of Revelation, taught by Michael Fitzgerald, senior pastor of Clifford Baptist Church. These lessons come from a Wednesday night study of the book, so the format is more of a classroom setting. Included in this Revelation series are written study notes, which can be accessed with each lesson in the series. We are taking another step in a year-long study through the great book of Revelation. This has been a wonderful sister study for me as I've been studying in Daniel as well. Tonight we are going to complete chapter 6. This is lesson number 13 uh, out of the series. Uh, We began studying the prophecy of Revelation, of course, uh, and opening chapter 4. We look at chapter 1. That is a picture of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, which John, uh, the author of Revelation, records. Chapters 2 and 3 are the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And then we enter with the beginning of chapter 4 into the prophecy section of Revelation. So we are looking at end times from chapter 4 forward, how God consummates the history of this old world. And as time as we know it closes and eternity opens... Now, as we look at the end of our age and the years of the Great Tribulation, this is on your sheet, we're going to see turmoil and war, devastation, bloodshed, widespread fear. There are going to be some horrible things that this world is going to go through within the Great Tribulation. But I want to remind you of three things tonight that are very important for you and me to keep in mind. Number one... The turmoil that this old world will go through is entirely the direct result of human sin. It is the result of hard-heartedness. It is the result of utter disobedience against God's will. That's the first thing I want to remind you of. The second thing is this. The people of God, the church, will not have to endure this outpouring of God's wrath and anger But rather, as the salt of the earth, we're going to be raptured out before the great tribulation begins. We are called pre-tribulationists in that the church is going to be taken out of the world, and I truly believe that, before the tribulation begins. Again, I will tell you, one of the main reasons I believe that is you see the word church used throughout the first chapters of Revelation, but at the beginning of chapter 4 to the end of the book, the the church is never mentioned again. And so, therefore, I believe that the church is out of the mess of the Great Tribulation. The third thing I want to remind you of is never lose sight that God is always in control. God always holds the reins of control. Now, this is a very important statement. I don't want you to miss it. Judgment or punishment is God's holy right upon the sinner just as much as salvation is His gift for the believer. God reserves the right to punish sin and to give salvation to every believer. Those are His holy rights. Isaiah chapter 63, this passage is dealing with God's judgment upon 
Edom. That was a society that hated God, a very wicked society. And God finally brings judgment against Edom and their blatant disregard of anything holy. And in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 6, we hear these words. This is Revised Standard Version. I trod down the peoples in my anger. I made them drink in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. God reserves the right to punish. That is Isaiah chapter 63, verse 6. We, ha- we have to see that punishment upon those who reject God and His will and His Son is God's holy right. Several times you're going to see in God's Word, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So that, again, Romans 12, verse 19. God is the one who's in charge of vengeance, not us. He is the one who will make the record straight at the end of time. Now, in the book of Revelation, as Jesus the Lamb takes the scroll of the universe's ownership from the mighty hand of God. We see that in chapter 5. Two things happen. When Jesus the Lamb receives the scroll, first, blessings are poured out upon the saved, and secondly, wrath is going to be unleashed upon the earth and the unsaved. As Jesus breaks every one of these seven seals upon this great scroll, one tribulation is poured out upon the earth and upon sin. By the way, uh, and this is on your sheet, uh, the word tribulation, it comes from a Greek word picture. Uh, In the ancient Roman societies, when farmers threshed grain, one man would stir up all the sheaves that laid on the ground. And, of course, the, the whole object lesson here is to separate the good from the bad, the grain from the chaff. So all of the sheaves of grain are laid on the ground, and the object is to get the grain out of those sheaves so that it could be separated out. That was the good thing. So all the grain, all the sheaves are laid upon the ground, and another man would ride over those sheaves in a very crude cart. And that cart really didn't have wheels on it. It had rollers with sharp pieces of of a metal embedded in the rollers, attached to those rollers, and they would roll over the sheaves, and that would help to separate the grain from the chaff. So the uh, rollers going over and over the sheaves are what brought the grain and the chaff apart from one another. That cart was called a tribulum, T-R-I-B-U-L-U-M. And it literally means that that's the instrument that tears the grain apart, separating the grain from the chaff. Now, just as the word tribulum uh, stands for the cart that distresses the grain, tribulation distresses the earth. The grain's afflicted by the tribulum, and God is afflicting the earth with tribulation. Now, in the last lesson that we had together in Revelation, we looked at the first four of God's great tribulation sent upon the earth. This is on your sheet. First tribulation, the first seal is broken on the, on the scroll, and it brings forth a rider on a white horse. 
And that is the Antichrist. God allows the Antichrist to have an earthly crown of leadership, rulership. He has a bow of earthly power given to him, and he rides out to deceive the nations. Let me remind you once again, uh, as an offshoot of my study in that, he has a bow, but he does not have arrows. Uh, His leadership would not be a leadership of shedding blood, but rather it'd be a a government uh, language leadership that he would sway the nation. So the first horse is the white horse and the Antichrist. The second seal is broken, and that brings forth a red horse and its rider, leading the world into war and bloodshed. The third seal is broken, and the horse coming forth is a black horse, and that horse stands for starvation and disease. Uh, And usually war is followed by famine. So we see the war horse uh, in in the seal number two, and then the famine horse, seal number three. And finally, the fourth seal that we studied last week brings forth the pale horse of the great tribulation. Its rider is death. Now, pale in Greek, the word is chloros. It is an ugly, green, yellow, uh, uh, nasty color of death. Uh, Death claims many lives in the Great Tribulation. In fact, you will notice that in Revelation it states that hell follows this horse of death. And death claims the bodies of the tribulation, and hell claims their souls. And we learn that one quarter of the world's population is lost in this segment of the great tribulation. This is describing a horrible earthly situation that is developing as a direct result of the willful and unrepentant disobedience to God. Now, one awful tragedy that comes about during the Great Tribulation is the killing of the people of God. That's on your sheet. The killing of the people of God is one of the great tragedies of the Tribulation. Now, the church is taken off the earth, but people are still being saved in the Great Tribulation. Don't forget that. Uh, The Lord is still being offered in this period of the Tribulation. People are coming, being saved in the Tribulation. However, the circumstances of the world are against those who come to Christ. They receive Christ. And that means then, as we look further into the book, we also know that they are refusing the mark of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast. And because of that, they face tremendous punishment and killing because they will not bow down to this earthly leader that is going to come. So the great tribulation has its martyrs. The Old Testament has its martyrs. And the New Testament has martyrs as well. Now, we are to the fifth seal. That's where we are tonight. It deals with these martyrs' vindication So I want you to look at chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. This is the fifth seal. God is going to bring justice upon those who lose their lives because of their love of the Lord God. So Revelation chapter 6, go to verse 9. Hear these words from God's holy word. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. 
And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So we're looking at seal number five here in chapter six. Let me remind you that the martyrs gathered here at the altar of God are composed of those martyrs losing their lives in the Great Tribulation, as well as martyrs of the Old Testament, as well as martyrs of this New Testament age. And believe me, tonight there are people in this world who are facing martyrdom. There are people, perhaps this very day, who have died as a result of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Martyrdom continues through this day. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. Just write this reference down. It is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 38. This is an amazing chapter. Of course, this is the faith chapter of Hebrews. Uh, But I want you to hear these words about those who lose their lives for the Lord. Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 35. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I love that phrase. The world was not worthy of these saints of God who loved the Lord so much that they laid down their lives rather than cave in to the ways of the world. The world was not worthy of these martyrs. Uh, it mentions someone being sawn in two. Isaiah, uh, history tells us, was probably sawn in two. Uh, Paul lost his life to beheading. Uh, so Old Testament, New Testament, Great Tribulation has its martyrs. What we're seeing here in this seal is that all of them now are gathered around the throne of God, the altar of God. Every Christian that is killed on the earth, their souls come to God. They gather in this altar of sacrifice. Uh, In my study, J. Vernon McGee says that he believes that the very blood of Jesus covers this altar of sacrifice. And we will see his blood in eternity. Revelation says that these martyrs are crying out to God for God to judge their killers. And God gives them white robes. Of course, that stands for purity. And he tells them to be patient and to wait because there were more yet to join them at this altar. All the martyrs had yet to come. There were still some who had yet to be killed, but they were on their way during the Great Tribulation. But once the number of Christian martyrs would be complete, God promises, God promises to avenge their blood and to right the wrong that was imposed on them as their lives were taken for being faithful to the Lord God Almighty. They did the right thing in that they laid down their lives rather than compromise their Lord. So the fifth seal promises punishment upon those who took the lives of the faithful. 
Now we're going to look at the breaking of the sixth seal of tribulation. This is in chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. And this, of course, completes the sixth chapter. So here, these words of the sixth seal out of the seven of the scroll that Jesus holds. And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, And the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? I don't know about you, but just the simple reading of those words distresses me. Does it distress you? It's an amazing reading of what is going on in the Great Tribulation and the breaking of the sixth seal. What we see here is that nature in this breaking of the seal becomes very disjointed. Natural disasters are occurring. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that natural disasters are increasing in this day? I believe that they truly are. I don't ever remember as a child the threat of a hurricane, or rather a a, a tornado in Virginia. And yet we hear of threats of tornadoes in Virginia. Uh, I believe that earthquakes are picking up in intensity and in frequency. I do believe that nature is beginning this process in some way. But in the Great Tribulation, the natural disasters are happening everywhere, multiplying like the world has never known. And the force of this seal is overpowering fear. That's on your sheet. This seal brings overpowering fear. With seal number six, we are beginning to see the full fury of God's wrath being unleashed upon sin and upon a sinful world. The earthquake described here is the most devastating earthquake of all of history And all of the earth's fault lines seem to be fracturing at the same time. And it results in mountains moving and islands moving. Uh, it's, It's an amazing event that's happening in the geography of the world as things are moving and as earthquakes are taking place. Volcanoes are spewing hot ash into the atmosphere. It's blackening the sun and giving the moon a red color that even looks like blood. Stars and meteors are falling out of the heavens. The sky as we know it, according to this word, is going to roll back and disappear. An amazing sight. But now, here is the most important part about seal number six. All the people on the earth will be recognizing that this is the wrath of the Lamb of God. The earth is going to recognize and realize that this is God's wrath being poured out. No one's going to question where this is coming from. As the earth trembles and the stars are falling, 
kings and generals and slaves and royalty and common people and men and women and rich and poor, all are going to be fearful before God Almighty as all of this wrath is taking place, and they're going to attempt to hide before God. But there is no hiding from God's justice now. There is no hiding. There is no place to run and get away from it. They realize that their sin is so great that they cannot look the Lamb of God in the eye. And instead of facing Jesus, what do they do? They call the mountains to fall on them and hide them so they do not have to face the wrath of the Lamb. So the earth is literally shaking and careening and falling apart, and the unsaved, with the irreversible mark of the beast on their bodies, their right hand or their forehead, they're trying to hide, but they know they cannot. Do you remember, and we will study this a little later on, when you have the mark of the beast... It is an irreversible mark. And so there is no hiding from the wrath of God. One day, every human being is going to stand naked and exposed before our holy God. Not one idle word, not one thought is going to be hidden from Him. And without Jesus Christ, our sin is going to condemn us. The lost person will be fearful cowering and ashamed before the holiness and the righteousness and the perfection and the purity of Almighty God. Our only hope, according to the Word of God, lies in the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus Christ, whom we love and preach and serve in this place. That is the one and only hope of the world. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Without Him... There is fear, but with him, there's a release of fear, and a total peace can take place in the believer's life. Our shame is covered, and our sin is gone. Isn't that good news? But what a dread for those who reject him, for those who turn him away. He is the believer's advocate and intercessor and great high priest. When we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's the rapture. He's going to take us to Himself. You might say, well... This picture of revelation for the unsaved really looks pretty bad. No, it looks very bad. It's extremely bad. Now, people who might say, you know, I'll probably die before all of this great tribulation takes place. So I won't be here to see all that mess. I won't be here when the mountains fall and the sky disappears. And and that person might be right. The unbeliever might be right in that. But without Jesus as Savior... That fear is going to be there, especially as he or she stands before God Almighty in judgment. People are going to be so scared as unbelievers to face the holiness of God that they would rather climb into a cave and crawl in the dirt and the rocks on their belly 
into the entrails of the mountain and then ask God to mercifully collapse that mountain on them so they don't have to look him in the face. But everyone will face God. Everyone will be judged. Without Jesus Christ as Savior, that person, the unbeliever, will go through a tribulation, a great tribulation, simply standing before God. Numbers 32, verse 22. Moses tells God's people, You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. How true that is. Not even a mountain falling on a person can take away that sin. I pity the scoffer. I pity the unbeliever. I pity the atheist. The person who was a simple procrastinator who just simply let time run out. They said all their life, yes, I'm going to get right. Yes, I'm going to come to the Lord. Yes, I'm going to start church. Yes, I want to fall before the Lord as a believer. All of that's going to happen one day, but time runs out. And when the eyes are closed in death, there are no U-turns. It is over. Eternity is sealed. I pity the one who will have to stand before God in judgment and say, Lord, I just waited too long. But that decision to wait will bring God's wrath. So tonight, if there is one person here who has never received that Savior... I pray that you will make it right with him tonight. See Pastor Clyde, see me, and we will give you those scriptures and lead you to the living Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be eternally changed before you leave this sanctuary. But my brothers and sisters, all of us who are believers here, my prayer is this passage will increase and inflame the passion in us to reach a lost world. There are people in my life that I don't want to go through standing before a holy God without the covering of Jesus. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody in your life as well who is in that state, and if they were to die tonight, they're going to stand before God in judgment. This should impassion us. When we see this seal alone, it should impassion us to take the good news out to the lost So my prayer tonight, if there's one here who needs Jesus, that tonight you will say yes. For we who are believers, my prayer together is that we will use this study to go into the world to bring the lost to a Savior who loves them, a Savior who died because He doesn't want any one person to go through the great tribulation or the judgment without a Savior. That's our passion. That's our calling. That's our mission.